All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Course Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to QLS Classic with Al B. Shore. So many stories about him coming up from Mount Vernon, becoming an international superstar, rubbing elbows with all the greats from Quincy Jones to uh, Sean Diddy Combs to Heavy D to working with Jodeci and Timberland. Yo, just everybody. So many crazy stories. Hope you guys enjoy part two of QLS Classic with the great Al B. Shore. Rapid time, rapid five time. All right. Okay. Private times in the whole nine. Yes. All right. So special. Why was, no, so special. I did like that one. Should have been a single. Dude, okay. Why wasn't it? Why wasn't that one a single? And why did they go with misunderstanding as the up tempo rather than had enough? Yeah. Or, uh, it was the side two. That was where the joint was. Had enough. You excite me. Like those, just for the moment, like those were the records. Like what? What, what well, happened? at that point, um, because of the success of an effect mode, um, what happens is the building becomes really smart all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, suddenly we have the answer. We know, right? Wait, even before you give that answer, did you have a relationship with Mo Austin at all? Or yeah, actually, actually, you know what? I he did. was phasing out. Or? No, no, no. I had a great relationship with Mo Austin, Lenny Warrenker, and, and all of the executives at at, at, uh, at Warner Brothers, and uh, great guys, uh, Michael Austin, um, brilliant record guys. Um, but I don't think they were necessarily involved with the day to day. I think they just kind of more of looked at the budgets and so on and so forth. So was Benny your wall? Benny was yeah. Benny was my guy. And Benny Benny was actually Benny's a smart record guy too. Like Benny's a uh, an organic kind of like. He, he can see, he's like Nostradamus, you know, he's got the whole, <laughs> he can kind of, he can see, you know, what's in front of him. Um, and he's just always been that brilliant cat. But in terms of, um, in terms of the, uh, the, the record selection, um, again, almost the same concept of what happened when we all went to Motown, you had a lot of chefs in the stew and a lot of people trying to make certain decisions like, um, so yeah. And, and so what, to answer your question, it was, Obviously, I had different ideas about what I wanted to do and, and what singles to release, but you know, you you got to kind of roll with the record company because 
you know they did support you and and see again that that's the the politics of of the record industry with you know with uh you know them really getting behind and pushing a record and you know you're in the in the trenches making this record so you're so close to it so sometimes as an artist you kind of want to step away from it and you just have to be able to have those around you who you trust their ears um and you know, for the most part, you know, obviously I would trust Andre's ears and, but I know that they would go back and forth as well, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, exactly what you just said about which single should be released, this, that, and the other, because I know Andre probably wanted this record and Benny wanted this record and then the staff wanted this record. Um, so those things, you know, again, that's the roll of the dice. You know, it's like a crapshoot. You just don't, you don't know. And, you know, in your heart, you know, you feel it. You know which joint should be out. And then, and what was your joint off the album? Like, if you could have had to pick, like, what would you have came with first? So special. So yes. Special. Yeah. Nah, that was the jam. That was it. That's the one. Okay. All right. Another red flag question. My, my, in my mind, the greatest contribution. Well, I just want to thank you for this record, along with you, by Tevin Campbell. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah, dude. Okay. Casey and JoJo, how was? Because they're singing background yeah. on that. At least in the credits, it's, it says they are. Yeah, that's no, that's, all, that's all. You can three hear of us. Yeah, that's oh, all that's all y'all say. Okay. Yeah. So, well, talk about that session. Wow. So, at the time, um, we were. Oh, interesting story. So, we were working on. I think we were doing some of the stuff. I guess working on the Jodeci project as well. And so, my demo singers again. The reason some of the production sounded so magical, very specifically, is you know you know, whether it be the Usher or whether it was Tevin Campbell, because those are my, my demo singers, it was Faith, Faith, you know. Yeah. So I'm just coaching them, saying, okay, we're going to sing this, these are this, the melody, and they would bring so much flavor to it. So if you listen, in fact, I'm going to give you a copy of Confused. Um, and it's supposed we, to bring stuff. I, it's, all, it's all in the drop box. You have everything right there. And, and uh, <laughs> what it is is, so I, I remember... <laughs> Us cutting the demo. So we cut about four or five songs. We cut uh, Confused, wow. Goodbye, oh, shit. Alone yeah. With You, that was the shit. Yeah. Um, Alone With You, um, and then and then we did Lately by Stevie Wonder. Wow. Uh, now, mind you, Casey and JoJo had never heard this song before. Wait, what? So I, I, this is where we're going here. Shit, I didn't hear it until they covered it. What? Wait, me too. What? Nah, me too. What? I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Wait, yeah. no. Nah, I'm with you. Y'all didn't on... know aunties that had Hollywood no, in July? Not, no. I had Hollywood in July, but the only one that got played was Master Blaster. And um, what was the other? Um, album was everything all straight, I do, baby. That ain't going to stand for it. Or all I do. All I do. Yeah. But, yeah I, or Happy Birthday. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. That was the black Happy Birthday <laughs> for Martin Luther King. But no, I my first time hearing lately was when they did it. Okay, so, 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 the, right, so the story is... And so I remember at this point when we were cutting, I, I built the studio because I was trying to hide away. Um, so we built a studio. I bought my mother a house in Dumont, New Jersey. And we had a little room set up in, in, in this little room. And we put, you know, I had SB12 in there and all the keyboards. We set up all the keyboards and we were programming stuff. So that particular day, we had mm -hmm. cut all these demos, tracked everything. Cause, and actually it was me and Kyle and I. This is the Kyle and I record, so it wasn't me and Devontae at that point. Yeah. Um, but Casey and JoJo were singing the demos. So we got to the song lately because I thought it would be a perfect remake. So we did the songs. We did all the songs, sent the cassette to Quincy, had Tevin study everything. And then 
we flew out to L.A. to I think Larrabee or something, mm-hmm. and then because you know it was myself and Prince and Narda Michael Walden and Mike Monty, you know, it was the, the collective effort of, of doing Tevin's record. So that's how serious they were about this debut record of his, like yeah, because Quincy Quincy was actually ha- like hand, hand, yeah, this, yeah, Quincy handpicked called yeah, in the cavalry, yeah, he killed the cavalry, and, yeah, you know, baby face, but so he handpicked him. So so then I remember us doing the song. And then I got the news that they weren't going to use the Lately song. Now, mind you, it was funny teaching them because they were singing far more frequently, you're wearing perfume. So we got the whole thing down pat, boom. And they were like, yo, this song is dope. We found out that Quincy wasn't going to use Lately. And I was given a few different stories, but, and it's funny, I didn't even ask them, but I kind of figured it out. Cause he didn't own the publishing, so he did strawberry. So he did strawberry letters. Uh, strawberry letters went through. Yeah, why, why have him do somebody else's song that he doesn't own the publishing? Do my shit. Quincy, Quincy, <laughs> Quincy is the genius publisher. You know, he, he is Westinghouse, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, you know, so yeah, so they didn't use it, and so the song was just there. Now, mind you, I am somewhere. I think I'm in the house in Jersey. I'm watching television. On comes MTV Unplugged. Oh, mm. Ooh, yeah. body in that shit. <laughs> Wait a minute, with my exact arrangement, everything, the the whole and Devontae, and, but obviously did it. First of all, Big Shadow did an incredible job, and with them doing it live, which become became one of their signature songs. Right, but that's the identical song we did in product, almost production that we did so, on Tevin Campbell. Actually, so, the question, the video version, because there's like a studio version that was used for the video version. Is that what the original version? No, I didn't do that. What I did was I taught them the song. We did it on Tevin Campbell, which it's in your box. You'll have it. Okay. And, but yeah, but when I turned on the TV, I was, I remember I was big old, you know, I remember we used to have the big screen TVs with real, real fat. Yeah, big yeah, yeah. Big back on. <laughs> big and I was sitting there floor and I was watching the uh, MTV Unplugged yeah. and I was like, ain't that a bitch? Now, mind you, initially I was just happy because I was like, oh, wow, it's dope. But it was the exact arrangement that we did, which right. which neither here nor there. The point was they did a brilliant job on it. I mean, because that's, that's my mentality, did a brilliant job. But later on, everybody's like, yo, didn't didn't you did do that on the tablet? I said, well, now, mind you, it would be great if it was an original song by me, but no, it's a remake, so I have no claims to it. But they killed it, and they smashed it, and I love the fact that they they just they really made it their own. Okay, I just thought about something. Tevin, and is this 90, 91? Yeah. 91, 92, first, actually. The first album? Yeah. It was 91. Right. Tevin's, what, 13? Tevin was 12, 12 13. Cause, so, yeah, because Tevin no, was 12. 14, no, G. No, that's... Uh, <laughs> it tends to be all cute. You know you got loot. <laughs> no, but the thing is, is that if Jodeci is demoing for Tevin Campbell, who still has a young voice, like, wouldn't you have either a female or someone that's in Tevin's alto range... range yeah. Well, he didn't date Casey. Dem- Dem- well, see, see, Casey. yeah, but, but what you're saying is He's borderline a tenor Jojo, baritone. Jojo you know? is more. Yeah, but see, Tevin, his nickname, which I gave him, was Eighth One of the World. This child can sing a parking ticket. He could sing anything. And what happened was, so as I was doing the stuff, I would have Casey and Jojo interchange. So if you listen to Tevin's verses, you'll hear 
KC and you'll hear JoJo. So the they bridge, <laughs> verse, half verse, and then me singing, you know, so, uh, and then me talking shit and everything. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, the king of talk shit, like Barry White, show you right. So, <laughs> oh my God, I'm glad yeah, you brought it going. Yes, yeah. going. I yeah. forgot. Okay, I got to yeah. ask a question about the Soul Train Awards, but go ahead. Okay, so, so then, uh, you know, for the most part, it was, I mean, I wanted to make the, again, my approach is make a movie, make a four-minute movie. How do we do this, the four-minute movie? And I wanted to make sure those records were that strong. Now, mind you, the funny part was this. So we get in the studio, and I think like Kadada and Rashida, we're all hanging out, you know, just you know, trying to keep him all festive and, you know, <laughs> have the girls around. You know, this is nice. And the kid, you know, we put the track on, and the kid gets in the booth, and he sings it identical one time down and what song is this which one is this this was alone with you this is alone with you okay. now mind you just okay just warm up he studied to the point where he did every jojo run every and every kc run <laughs> jojo and kc went to the payphone yeah i said it went to the pay, <laughs> they went to the studio payphone called their mama in Charlotte and Monroe, excuse me. Mama, this little boy did all of our runs, both of them, both of us. They were so impressed by his vocal ability that, and then he was, okay, what's next? What do you do next? Like he, did, so obviously, you know, I made him do it again and I'm giving different inflections and then I wanted to comp the vocal, you know what I mean? Yeah, comp technically, him. I wanted to comp him, comp the vocal, and, but to get him, you know, to get the maximum performance out of him to see, you know, to make sure it was right. But the kid sang both of their parts by himself one time down and nailed every run. Now, mind you, nobody's doing Casey and Jojo runs in 19. 1989, 1990. <laughs> right. I don't care. Unless you unless you're Fred Hammond or you are, you know, Donnie Hathaway or Stevie Wonder himself to the point where I remember watching Arsenio Hall when when they went and did Lately and Stevie came out and then JoJo got Stevie. I don't know if you ever noticed that. <laughs> yeah, Stevie did something. Yeah, did something crazy. And JoJo... <laughs> so every time I see JoJo, I say, you know, that was your magical moment of your entire career. <laughs> but you made Stevie went go. <laughs> he had eyes for his <laughs> But uh, no, amazing. I mean, just uh, an amazing time. But just to see this this kid, and then and then basically what we did was, as we gave him these demos, you know, he would he would be so prepared and ready, and he would just he would knock these vocals out. But then what happened was. I didn't want to, we had, we had such a magical, like the demos came out so magical that again, we riding around the hood playing these demos and it's Casey and Jojo. Now mind you, didn't, the Jodeci record wasn't out yet, I don't think so. So it was just sounded so crazy with the harmonies and this. And it was basically, well, even what we tried to do with the Jodeci record, it was basically, it was the gospel gap band. Because the entire Jodeci record, what, when I would drive to the studio, to Unique Studios, or to Hit Factory, from Groton on the Hudson to the city. Every day, I was listening to a group called Commission. Yeah, so all I wanted to hear, so so that's if you listen to the influence in terms of all the harmony and the structures and the and the, the harmonic structures and, and all of the, those progressions um, harmonically, 
that's what I was being influenced by. So all I'm listening to is the whinings and I'm listening to commissions. So that's why it sounds like a gospel record. On a stand, super like nerd question, what reverbs were you using at that time? Because they y'all had you always had like the biggest, brightest sounding fucking verbs for like the way y'all would put on the background vocals. You make that vocal sound so big. I had the privilege of working with a Joe. What happened was I called Quincy and I said, Q, I said, I got this new group. And I need an engineer. Like, can we use Bruce with Dean? Right? So he kind of just laughed at me. <laughs> like, you tried to go there? I tried to go there. Damn. I tried, well, I didn't know. I just said, he's the best in the business. That's what I need. So that's that Mount Vernon courage shit. That's what it is. So, so I asked, and Quincy was like, I have somebody. I, yeah, slow down, son. He said, I'll be. Slow down, son. So, but, but what happened was, but he made a recommendation for me, and he says, "I want you to." He gave me a recommendation to an engineer, and I and I asked him, "I said, well, what you know, what has he done?" He said, uh, "He's mixed Earth, Wind, and Fire." Okay, that's the one I want because because <laughs> it was vocal because he, he wanted to know what kind of what is it? Is it vocals? I said, "Yeah." I said, "It's got it's vocal heavy. It's, it's harmony. It's this. I need this. I need frequencies. I need I need forty hertz, and then also I need this top end, and I need a middle." You know, I just explained. Mick Gazowski. And we went out to Conway Studios in, in L.A. Okay. And, and they just got the brand new Flying Faders board, SSL, straight from London. And so it was a whole you know brand new thing. But long story short, it was amazing because um, me having the background of engineering and understanding frequencies, this was the perfect time for me because I, was, I learned so much from this guy. To answer your question... Mick Lazowski had toys like you would not believe. Like he had this reverb that would sit up. It looked like my mother's furnace radiator <laughs> that would, you know, like back in the day with real cold and you put it near the window so the, the draft from the window didn't make you cold. And it was like, and then he had something underground and there was a reverb that was underground that would, it was like, so he had all these, you know, it wasn't even about like rack mounts at that point outside of the SE bass and whatever else we were using, but. It was just more of a, just these TC electronics and, and just all type of, look like Jurassic Park in there, like, <laughs> like electronically, you know, and just, and, and he would just create this stuff, but his, his arsenal was so brilliant to the point. And then when I listened to it, it was so clean. I was like, oh man. So when Mick would leave the studio, I would go back in and I would turn up the bay. I would, I would turn up the, all the kick drums. I would, I would, I would move it and then write it and then let it write yeah. and then turn. So, so basically, he mixed it sonically perfectly, and then I added together so to it. it up oh, dress the music yeah. too. Yes, exactly. did you keep working with him for the sexy verses album? Yeah, uh, yeah, him? yeah, yeah. And then okay. I started working with him again. Um, but let me tell you how this went about. What happened was, so the guys, so once you know they got signed and they started working on the album. Um, I remember I get a call from Andre. Andre said, yo, I need to meet with you. I was like, okay. Devante was so amazing on the production. Like, you know, he, and it's funny because Jodeci didn't want to be like Guy. Jodeci, Devante didn't want to be like BBD. That's wow. all That's all they used to talk about, BBD. But obviously Devante had a Teddy Riley-esque style and feel to him. Um, and I remember, I mean, and a brilliant, brilliant musician. Uh, and I remember, so Puff and Dre came to the house in Jersey. I remember sitting on the green leather couch. I think that's why I had the plastic on the couch. I don't know. But they came over, they were like, listen, okay, listen, the fellas, you know, they came up with this stuff and it's a little, you know, it's a little, 
you know, it's, it's not there. It's not ready yet, but the, all the ideas, everything's right there. He says, I need you to take this shit and do that Quincy Jones shit you do. He said, take the masters and I want you to go to LA and I want you to flip this whole thing. So what I did first was I grabbed Devontae, brought him to the house in Jersey, locked up everything, and we sat there and reprogrammed the entire album, did everything, you know, from scratch. I took all the everything and all the, that's why if you listen it's the same sounds on on the Tevin Campbell album it's yeah. the same kit that's on the Jealousy <laughs> thing so I just use the same my same discs my, my floppy disc from the SP-1200 so uh, did, oh you did this on the SP that was it yeah we used the SP on, on, on most of that stuff too like come and talk to me and all that because all that stuff is the sample I just took the 909 kit and the 808 kit and combined them and then made my own sounds like taking a bat like the one on right now like it's a, it's a bat hitting a tree and then I just truncated it. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah, because right now on Alone With You were like pretty much yeah, the same right, song. No, yeah. right. how, did yeah. you, how did you And do then that? if you think about it, the Usher record too. It, in many ways. In many oh, ways. Oh, the many ways. So now what happened was, so when Puff and Dre came over, they said, listen, you know, take this stuff and, and, and you know, do that Quincy Jones thing to it. And, you know, went down, you know, like I said, Printed, you know, did all the stuff like that. Took it to Hit Factory Times Square, printed everything, made sure it was, you know, I, this was my thriller. I took this so seriously because this was my thriller. This was my opportunity to show myself as a producer. And I wasn't necessarily thinking it like that. Then it was just more of this project is so important to me because I want to make them into a mega group, you know. And we did it. Then they said, okay, then they shipped me out because they didn't want nobody else involved. So they, they told me to go to L.A. So, you know, the guys were mad at me. They hated some Elvis Short because they were mad because I went out. And and it was so funny because outside, it, it was like a celebrity tournament because every day in the studio, you know, I'd be in there mixing. And then outside in Conway, you know, they got the little basketball court outside. So it was Mike Tyson and Martin Lawrence and Chris Rock. And, you know, it was just like the whole family, Christopher Williams, everybody just hanging out, playing basketball, coming in and out. Jamie Foxx, and it was just fun. It was just a, a great time, but it was it's so important. People don't realize, put yourself in the right environment when you're doing a record. Like, don't put, don't isolate yourself because your record's going to sound isolated. Like, keep yourself in your, your environment. Okay, so I have a question that sort of leads back to Tevin and actually connects to you. And while I'm at it, I'll throw Prince in there as well. Um. What I mean, as as diplomatic or as explicit or truthful you want to be with it, what was going on with Warner between ninety two to ninety five that I feel like the expectations that were there for Tevin Campbell to be the next god, like I, I mean, everyone basically just said like, okay. Very specifically because he came from Quincy. Right. There's our new yeah. Michael Jackson. Those right. are, so even though, yes, he, he had hits and made classics and all that stuff, I felt like the expectations for him to be God, whatever exaggerated thing that, that I mean, I guess the perception, and I don't know if Warner dropped the ball to push it further. But on the second album, or well, just the, I mean, in, in general, '92 that was yeah, that was yeah, that was after Graffiti Brit. Well, cause yeah, yeah, but even with Prince complaining about Warner Brothers, like what what was happening with Warner at the time that a lot of black artists on that label between the first half of the '90s were sort of like eh, kind of like wah. 
We learned, excellent question, we learned what an urban budget is and a pop budget is. Oh. Black, oh. Right. black music department. Apartheid. Right. So the black music department was an incredible department and we were, you know, pretty much we were paying the rent as well and we were doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the budgets were just a little different than Madonna and, you know, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So even in, in my only, honestly, my I, I enjoyed working with Benny so much because we, we rocked together in terms of just, you know, we were all traditionally 90% on the same page in terms of musically and things we wanted to do. But um, the probably the only complaint that I would have, um, even as the artist who was all the attention was paid to, you know, very specifically because of the success of the first album organically. Um, and I don't even think they knew what they had outside of that. Um, they didn't really, even with my records, they didn't push them pop. Just like, you know, I wasn't in that right space for the, the pop records because night and day did it on its own. But, just even like right now, there's no reason why night and day off on your own girl, whether it's not an AT and T Verizon commercial right now. You know what I'm saying? So maximize on the right. moment. Yeah, on the moment. Um, I remember I used to sit in it, and I would go in the, in the sales meeting, and I would say, "Hey, listen, um, you know, I saw there was a new commercial out, and it was it was for deodorant, and I would say, well, you know, products and music should go hand in hand in fashion." Because remember, we came from a school of puffy, so everything was, you know, how do you put this song with this sneaker and this, this, you know, it was a branding thing. But we were always thinking that anyway. So I wanted to raise your hand if you're sure. Sure, raise your (laughs) hand. (laughs) Now you got it. So I was like, now, now, mind you, if you notice in the opening of the video of Rescue Me, and when the two guitar players beside me, and we were rocking. Do you want to do? Boom! And right in the beginning of the video, the first thing I had them do is like. Ow. So we did Raise this. Raise hands, yeah. Me thinking that they're going to see they're this. They're going to see this. That's going to be Run DMC, Adidas movie. There you go. Either Raise that. your hand if you're sure. Well, usually I'll be sure. You should just do that song in the shower. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it, was, it was either going to be his, his My Adidas moment or his LL Cool J Unplugged moment. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> With the balls up on yeah. the what? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, wait. Real quick. <laughs> I got to know. When you guys are performing the Secret Garden at the Soul Train Awards, what was going on between Barry White and Elder Barge? Do you know? Can you divulge? <laughs> you, you look like you're smiling. Yo, 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 something. All right, here's the deal. I don't know what was going on between Barry White and Elder Barge, but this is back in the day when I used to videotape everything and watch it like 10 or 12, 11 times. If I were a betting man, I would say that something tense was happening between those two. Because there's a look that Barry White gives El DeBarge that I'm like, I thought maybe I'm reading into something. I, was something, or just the answer, yes or no, was something happening between them two that I don't know about? Well, the I answer can't. answer is not no. Well, I can't say too much because Uncle Barry's not here to, to verify. But So I was on to something. But I would think very specifically, like any great superstar, don't sing over me. Yo. <laughs> I swear to you. 20-year mystery song. Dude, I'm, quest, if you were to look quest, for the quest, list. Quest, quest, 
you're brilliant. <laughs> Dude, if you were to look at the VHS tape I have, like the, you know the lines where you're yeah, in the, the, lines, lines, yeah. the porno lines. <laughs> <laughs> right. gotta, gotta go to the tracking. <laughs> the tracking. Whoa. That's a throwback. There's this, there's, there's this a three second moment where I saw a look of frustration. The only person I knew that could even lead to that was at the time, like Alan Leeds was, was tour managing Barry White, but he couldn't, He's like, yo, it could have happened, but he couldn't verify it. But I knew something was up with that performance but that I re- didn't sit right with me. But I remember, first of all, that was probably, for me, again, one of the scariest times on planet Earth. Very specifically because, now mind you. He's from Compton. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and hold up, and Uncle Barry was gangster. You, 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 y'all think Uncle Jim, too, Jim Brown, and Barry White, those two, and, and Dick Griffey. Those are my uncles, big big brothers, uncles, godfathers. You have Dick Griffey, always been safe. Dick Griffey stories. I, I, for Dick Griffey, first of all, I'm, um, is is his widow is like my other mother. She Carol. lives in Vegas. Yeah, and 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 uh, and, and uh, Carolyn Griffey as well, who's like my sister. She's in London right now. She, so I'm very close to the family, and I have. The last and only interview of Dick Griffey when I was doing Secret Garden over there at the other, you know, the other. Yo, wow. seriously? Yeah, and I got I got all the drops. We have there. so many Dick Griffey stories of all box. the artists that have been on this late uh, on this uh, on the show. I'm really trying to convince A. Smith to do a a Dick Griffey unsung or a Solar unsung because yes. that's one again. That's another one of the stories that is that's untold, like an uptown. It wasn't a Solar unsung. No. No. Damn, Solar and Stephanie Mills. Yeah, the closest they got was Shalimar. So. Yeah, Shalimar, yeah. But but again, that was his that was his baby. And and uh something that Dick Griffey lived by, there was a documentary on a VHS that he just created on his own called Slave Ship to Ownership. And this was that entire this is what I was telling people about doing that Arnold Palmer Arnold yeah. Palmer type of business as opposed to just being the face of something, you know, have an equity stake, have, you know, be a part of the exit strategy of, of whatever that thing you're endorsing, that product you're endorsing so that, you know, you, it's worth your while. Come on, Michael Jordan, Nike, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. 
You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Okay, I got a question. La Day party tonight. Yeah. Shit. Where, uh, where are they now and how did you discover them? Um, they were actually, again, Little Tone and Brian and all the guys, they were in the mix already. They were kind of, but they were, they were working with my cousin, uh, Jojo Brim and Jimmy, Jimmy Maynus, who now manages Salt and Pepper. So I was brought, they were brought to light by. Jimmy Manus and JoJo and then and that camp and then I had an opportunity when I just got a deal at Motown to bring them in and be able to do that whole, you know, put their project together. That project, if you ever have an opportunity to listen, that project was my second jo my second coming of Jodeci. And and without and this is probably the the most thing I can say about it is it was so well crafted in terms of because I had practice doing Jodeci, figured out, you know, vocalist that way. I mean, and then after I started working with Dave Hollister and Fed. So when I took those young men and put that project together, and again, it was so many chefs in the stew at, at Motown that we didn't even get a chance to release it properly because that they would have been the next Jodeci, for lack of better terms. You know, they, no, no. they, they were their own. Yeah, you know, I got a copy of that CD somewhere. And it's, I, I, I got it when I was working at Universal. And uh, there's a big sticker on it that says, archive copy, do not remove from office. Wow. And now it's in my house. <laughs> <laughs> archive there. Yeah, rip that joint. News yeah. at 11. Yeah. Okay, so we, we talked a little bit about, you know, you're doing the voiceovers for Unsung. But I learned something today that I didn't know you did a TV pilot. Yeah, we, uh, Private Times and the Whole Nine, which was produced by the late George Jackson. Okay. Um, yeah, and also. Um, Doug and Henry. Yeah. Doug Henry, George Jackson, and um, and also uh, also Eric Van Lowe, okay, who was you know producer of the Cosby Show, you know, yeah, many, yeah, many yeah, years yeah. of the Cosby Show as well. Um, but just it was an amazing time. It was myself, um, Cheb Rock, uh, Martin, wow. Ma- uh, Martin Lawrence, wow. Michael Michelle, Michael Wright. Wow. So it was a nice ensemble. Yeah. And it was my debut uh, screen test for Warner Brothers. What was the premise of the show? Um, Two kids trying to make it out of the hood, following their father's, their uncle's footsteps. And there was a club like the Cotton Club downtown in Harlem. And we just wanted to get a chance because if you get a chance to play there, you made it. And uh, we were just on a hustle and grind and uh, written by Barry Michael Cooper. <laughs> oh, wow. There's that name again. This is a small world because now Michael, uh, Mich- Mike, oh, I say Michael Michelle. 
It's Mike Michelle, Michelle Michael. Michael Michelle. Michael Michelle. She's uh, in, the, in the show with Quincy on Star. On Empire. She's I'm, actually on Empire, yeah. Oh, no. Really? Mm-hmm. Washington. Yeah. I mean, but same director. I mean, right, same, same creator. Lee, yeah, same Lee Daniels you know, situation. The genius Lee Daniels. Um, I have a, I have sort of an off the wall question. Doesn't have anything to do with you, but it has to do with Quincy. And you mentioned how he was sort of a, a publishing um, icon. Uh, yeah. Okay. I guess that's that's one way of putting. I think part of what you were saying. But, uh, <laughs> so. Well, we interviewed him for the show um, about a year ago or something. But um, uh, and I'm like a humongous fan of the We Are the World project, right? So, um, what I noticed about the the 45 of that is that the B side is a song called Grace, and it's written by Quincy Jones. And I know that everybody on the project for the out for the We Are the World album donated a song for the record and donated the proceeds. I don't. I want. Did they donate the publishing? Because here's my question. That's a great question. Because question. If, if Quincy Quincy puts his own song, like he did with <laughs> Strawberry, Strawberry Letter instead of uh, Stevie Wonder, yeah. um, he puts Grace on the back of, 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 a, of a 45 that he knows for sure it's is going to sell yeah. a gazillion copies. So now unless he donated not only the song but the publishing to USA for Africa... Then he's then he's kind of pulling a fast one there. Yeah. Wow! Oh. So I'm. <laughs> this is we thought it was USA for Africa was damn. Damn was that well, the I'd first like to, I'd text five hundred one to Yale? I'd like to call it. I'd, I'd like to call it innovative business. Please fix this because you know I love Quincy and oh, I'm no, not trying absolutely. to think poorly of him. Oh no, not but, like, but, but think about it. No, listen. It's the same concept as The Godfather. Who put this together? Me. Who do I trust? Me. Yeah. Who wrote the song? Me. Nigga back, sold in the park, <laughs> I won't in. Right, right. <laughs> um, um, no, but it's just, you know, it's a smart move because what happens is very specifically, as you know, with, you know, the B-side and um, wherever that travels, the B-side must go. Well, he so, could have put the instrumental of We Are The World or he could have, you know, uh, and and Grace, but why? But Grace is not on the record, on the full record with all the other songs. It's only on the B side of the forty-five. So then it becomes a commodity. Look, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what's going on. You know, like because he no, should. You know, no tengo la menor idea. Should, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it just. I'm just curious from a publishing standpoint, what he did. Well, from a publishing standpoint, it's a smart move because. Well, of course, let's yeah. let's just say that from the standpoint of it not being released as a single per se, it probably made a shitload of money anyway. So it becomes a valuable aspect. Like any of that intellectual properties just becomes valuable through the roof. So um, just like, you know, with the Tevin Campbell situation with him doing Strawberry Letter, which is his composition, um, it's just a smart move. And and knowing now what I know, I wish I would have uh, taken the bull by the horns even more so because there's so many songs and so much production that I've assisted in that I didn't take credit for because, and I'm not mad, I'm not the angry rapper right now where I'm, you know, I should have, no, so I, I, I got it and I understand it. I have enough publishing to the point where I'm, I'm happy and I'm, I'm, I'm elated, but not understanding how important that intellectual property is at this moment, you know, back then. Um, yeah. I, okay, but USA for Africa was a charitable <laughs> organization. <laughs> it's, it's not, you know. Can I share something with you about um, 
the United Nations. Okay, so do you realize that there are certain organizations that everyone eats and gets paid before the starving people who are supposed to get the stuff? Uh, you know, so there are certain organizations that operate in that capacity, and that's you know, that's a travesty to me. Uh, uh, but I don't necessarily think I think that um, Quincy's philanthropic footprint is so tremendous glory. All right, I'll yeah. let it go. I, you don't know the answer. I don't want to know the answer. Don't want to know the drama. I just don't. That's something I just don't want to know. You can't talk about Quincy around me. Yo, so, um, I had a question. Regards to, like, because after Sexy Versus, Sexy Versus was like 92. Mm -hmm. And 92. then um, after that, you didn't come back again until 08, 09? It was 09. It was 2009. 2009. So how did you support yourself financially through those years, you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you, because I, I, I admire like cats that can do that, that Publisher? can walk away from the game and just be like, you know what? I need some time for whatever. And you know, you you, you still can eat and feed your family. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I am the king of believing in ancillary revenue streams. So, um, so besides doing, right, besides doing people and people are trying to figure out, why are you doing radio? Well, let me share something with you. I'll just give you a small example. Let's say, Tom Joyner, right? Hmm. And I'm being I'm being facetious, obviously. Tom Joyner, you know, what maybe he was netting ten million dollars a year sitting in his bedroom doing a morning show, you know. Um, so I learned the syndicated radio game. In addition to, I probably made one of the most lucrative deals at Motown um, with my attorney then, um, Mr. Londell McMillan. Shut up. I had five deals at Motown. I had an executive deal, an artist deal, a production deal, a label deal, and a publishing deal. <laughs> and um, so, love me long time. <laughs> <laughs> so the Motown, yeah. Motown deal, that was during the Andre Harrell years? Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. And, 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 and for the most part, I mean, I think it was a great opportunity. Um, the kind and generous heart that Andre Harrell has, uh, and, I, and that's why you can never say anything bad about Andre Harrell to me. I mean, he he made sure that everyone ate, um, everyone eats at the table, and uh, he, you know, now the only issue I think I had with the entire Motown circumstance and opportunity is that because of that, um, there were too many chefs in the kitchen in terms of there was 100 ANRs and it was 100, you know, so and so. But again, it was Andre's kind heart making sure that all of his folks, everybody ate, everybody was in the kitchen, everybody, you know. So, but it was just so many opinions and so many that it just became a little bit convoluted uh, and um, to the point where after a while, you know, I know record companies, people have this veil and they really feel like it's just a record company and some vinyl, but they're shareholders to answer to as it relates to budgets and things of that nature. So, you know, after a while, the, the numbers, when they don't start to balance out and you can't, you know, you don't have an answer for, you know, we spent close to 80 million, I think $80 million without a release. Wow. Oh my goodness. So I think wow. it was prior to any releases or any, or any, any official record releases in terms of the marketing and the chair and the, and the sweatshirts, sweatshirts and, yeah, and the yeah. cigar. And so, so we, you know, I believe, but don't quote me, but I think quote me, but I think it was somewhere in the realm of $80 million as it relates to, you know, just the overall. Yeah, some he had the ad in the source yeah. where he was in the chair and like, you know, the cigar and shit, mm -hmm. but no records ever came out. When did you know that radio was an option for you? Um... 
it was second nature, I believe, only because anytime I'd go and do radio, it was always a joke where people would come to me and say, how the hell do you sing so damn high? It is fascinating. And you sound yeah. like Barry White's uh, you know, DNA. Yeah. And, um, and I said, I don't know. I said, the only reason I sing high is because I was just emulating Smokey Robinson and Marvin Gaye. So I would practice and, and, and like the stylistics and stuff. So I would practice those songs and I learned to develop a falsetto. Um, I just had a great conversation with Maxwell and I was so surprised when I'm, I'm surprised to hear when I hear these things, when I speak to artists who I truly admire and I look up to and I, you know, um, you know, he was telling me about how, you know, how much of an influence I was on him. Um, and I think Maxwell's falsetto was just genius. I mean, this, this cat is just brilliant. Um, See, that's what I figured. A few falsetto folks have, must have reached out to you at yeah, some point. No, there are so many derivatives from Adam Levine to Justin. I mean, of course, Michael, too. But Well, well with um uh adam levine come on man <laughs> i'm just saying all right the others <laughs> whatever well, yeah. well probably the most impressive story for me because obviously anyone who knows me or even close to my circle that i'm the biggest michael jackson appreciator mm -hmm. on planet earth because it's not about just being a fan i'm a fan you know obviously but the appreciator of his craft and his technique and his recording technique and then and, and the way quincy would you know it's just this there's, there's a certain just organic nature to what he what he did so teddy was working on michael and i get a call from teddy one day and teddy's saying yo you're not gonna believe this and i, I was like what and he says yo so we're in the studio and michael says to him um can we have um like you know one of those albie short type songs now you know i didn't passed out <laughs> <laughs> I said, Teddy, stop lying. He says, yo, I swear. He said he wants to, you know, like that night, you know, and he starts singing it. And I was, so, I oh boy, good boy. So, you know, so that, so then I'm good. I can just just put me under, you just Novocaine, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, just, you know, but stuff like that. I mean, because with me, I've always maintained a, this side of the fence viewership of what music is in terms of being able to appreciate it because I'm a fan of, 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 of the craft first and foremost, and I'm a fan of the music and then innovative music even more so. So, you know, I, I've like one of my favorite artists on planet earth is sting, mm -hmm. um, you know, including the police as well. Uh, but just, you know, his work there, um, you know, Greg filling games, you know, there's certain cats who are just, who are cats. That's what we call them. They're just cats who are just like Rochelle Farrell, you know, obviously Layla, Layla Hathaway, um, you know, who sings harmony with herself, you know. Um, <laughs> right. Um, you know, there's certain exception of Lettucey, you know, like there's certain the vocalists that are, you know, just oh, have that thing, um, that special, you know, faith, obviously, you know, just like when I tried to bring, it was so funny because when I was working with Faith, and, and this is, I can share this because this is in her book. Um, and then at that point, I think Faith was on Section 8. She was going to church in Jersey, so on and so forth. And I used to have her come down. I used to just pay her every day to put some money in her pocket and come sing demos for me. And she's probably one of the few artists who never forgets it. I mean, when I when she saw I was in the hospital, boom, her and Stevie J, they busy running around, TMZ chasing around, whatever. And they call me at home. Hey, you all right, big bro? Everything good? You know, I saw you in the hospital. Everything, you know, it's like, but she always, she's always been 
that the most wonderful, most talented artists that I've been around. Like she was my Whitney Houston, yeah. for lack of better terms. So she's strictly my sister. Like you know, she's I, unsung like, as far as vocalists. Yeah, I feel like, like I, I love like there's a special spiritual love affair between myself and Faith Evans. Like meaning we in the mutual admiration club. Meaning like I love that woman as a person. China, I'm the god. I'm a godfather. You know, like just you know her daughter China. So I just think, but she's just such a talented and cool from the bricks, you know, just just organic and, and, and just she's a prodigy and she's so humble with it. Like she just and her nickname, if you ever see Faith Evans, just call her doctor. She's gonna she's <laughs> like, Where's Al B? <laughs> Yeah, so is that why she was on all the backgrounds for uh, Usher's album? Uh, yeah. that's, that's still my yeah. favorite Usher album. Yeah, thank I you, mean, thank yeah. you very much. Dude, I appreciate like, it. And 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 I enjoyed working. Uh, you know, love was here. Love was and, here. And yeah, that's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. same thing we did with you know. And and again, but that was the whole purpose. The reason I got that call because Puff would call me to do all of the, you know, like so one I did one twelve's first record and I did Usher's first. So those are Puffy projects. So Puff you know, for the Bad Boy. And, yeah, because um, you 112, you did This Is Your Day. This Is Your Day. I love mm-hmm. that song. Yep, and we did some other. And then I have a duet with Faith in 112, too, that was never released. I said, I'll put that in there. Dropbox. <laughs> Just remember those, yes. so I'll have, have Tony put them in the Dropbox. Write it down like. Yeah, mm-hmm. we need that. Um, and then we did a, we did a song um, called Make You Sweat with Tony Thompson. Uh, so it's uh It was on the Sex Age, it was on his solo album? Right, right, right. Yep. right mm-hmm. That was the last song he recorded, yeah. yeah. And... um God rest his soul. What a talented. You talk about a vocalist, yeah. too. Yeah. That was another one. That kid right there, woo. When you got signed, how did the deal come about with Hidden Beach? Um, how, did, how did you sign with them? Well, actually, before, oh. you, before you get to that, was, was there anything after Sexy Versus? Like, was there, like, I remember, I feel like I had seen something on a release schedule at some point in, like, maybe 95. Yeah, you know what? What happened was, after Sexy Versus, um, Warners did a major shift an executive change and obviously and i didn't have a what's called a key man clause in my contract which if one is, guy left then right like right. if the, the head executive you know, who signs you leaves you know you can go with him right. so, you know so there was nothing like that but i really enjoyed working with benny medina um and just his professionalism and his understanding of what entertainment is obviously now as you see with whole j-lo's whole career like what what this man can do as it relates to sculpting and crafting taking a, a budding diamond and and shining it and just creating something creating a miracle um and he you know so at that point i think they they, they just started moving stuff around executives and benny was was going at that time and they hired a lawyer to be the A&R person and so I got dropped like hot potato um, because what happens is as you know when new executives come they bring along their own John yeah. Yeah. their yeah. own regime yeah. and I wasn't a part of that so I, I literally was like you know when we were getting ready to start the new album I couldn't get anybody on the phone I was like wow I said I generated close to a quarter of a billion dollars with you know my production and my record sales and all you know just one of my guys at Wall Street kind of did an analysis for me just in terms of you know all the stuff collectively but but mind you I sold a significant amount of units for for Warner Brothers at that point and you know you look at it now and you you know like I said I'm, I'm never going to be the, the the bitter artist or anything else like that because you know I do I do okay I do, you know I'm okay and uh, very okay but <laughs> but but at the end of the day what has happened is you know when you realize as an artist, how 
much revenue you generate. I mean, that's why, you know, people don't understand what these 360 deals could basically it's just an insurance policy. If I'm investing in you, I need to be a part of your merchandise, your yeah, social yeah, media, everything, you know. And and if you're in a position like like with Quincy, when he was working on, when he first started to do his deal um, as for, for television stuff, um, there was a no involved because he wasn't, he's not in a position to have to give up all his music rights and his publishing, you know, because, you know, they wanted to own everything. And he don't have to do that. So thank you for coming out. God bless. Good night. <laughs> let's, let's, let's make it up. And then he, but he was, and he's very patient. There's no nepotism involved. He consults with me and Sean and, you know, his, his surrounding team. Um, but, you know, he's a very smart businessman. Um, and it's, it's, it's significant to, uh, to, to watch the, the navigation that he's kind of creating on his own as well, obviously. Um, yeah, around the time, because you got, when when you left, like after Sexy Versus, there was a period of time where Warner, they just get didn't get black music. Like they was yeah. like they was just putting out bullshit. Well, and they I, had that rep where it's just like, if you saw Warner Brothers record, if you were like a, a head mm -hmm. and you saw Warner Brothers logo, like you just knew it was going to be whack. Like that was kind of the thing. Again, that's the switch. So when my, you know, Benny and, and that whole regime left, um, you know, we were we were that glue and that, that melting pot that that created. Because remember, we had Club Nouveau, yeah. we had uh, you know Tevin, myself, um, Prince. Prince. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, is this post slave time or is this like this is before, right? This is like right when it's about to start. But do okay. you know the real story of what what the entire thing with Prince was? Because what people have a, a little bit of a misconception. The only way, the reason that came about is because of, again, and I don't want to go too business, but intellectual property is everything. And if you're an attorney or you're a lawyer, you understand that. So Warner Brothers basically felt as though they put a tremendous amount of money behind Roger. They put, you know, they put all this money behind Prince and made him who he was. Now they didn't give him credit that he made him who right, he was, right. but he did the work. But it's it's almost kind of it's even like how the Disney machine works and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, I, when I was doing radio for many many years, I started a show called Secret Garden, mm -hmm. and and I waited nine months to get paid because of the negotiation because they wanted to own Secret Garden. And I was like, you can't own Secret Garden. Radio, they really gonna right. try to fuck no, but, you. No, 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 but no, not even that. It's just more. It would had to do with. These are our airwaves. It's the most valuable thing. So this is our product, and you know I had to tell them, no, that's not how this particular works. Because if you look, this is a brand that we built, you know, Quincy, and you know, so. But but going back to it, um, related to Prince, because Warner Brothers felt as though that they made Prince into who he was. We've invest. We made this investment. You can't just walk away with our investment. So you can leave, but just leave the name. Yeah. Ah, yeah. And people don't understand. So, so I got it conceptually, mm -hmm. but it made no sense because just like any trademark, you can say, you, don't, you, you can't say, just like in, in, in Vegas right now, you have all these Michael Jackson shows, right? The tribute to Michael Jackson. You can use that because it's not Michael Jackson. The tribute to Michael Jackson. Uh, Michael Jackson presents. You know, like you can, you can uh, ten derivatives, derivatives of it, but at the end of the day, the intellectual property and what do what you know the uh, what they own you know, is, is Michael Jackson. So again, 
Prince was allowed to leave, that was his sacrifice. Okay, I'm going to leave Warner Brothers, but I can't take my name with me. Okay, so I'm the artist formerly known as Prince. <laughs> That's nuts, man. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Conceptually, it's funny because if I'm an attorney, yeah, it works. If I'm a human, right. you know, yeah, I'm pissed for <laughs> I mean, yeah. if I'm a human buying him? records, you know, just oh, to, like, how long did it take for him to get his name back? Like he had to wait till his publishing deal with Warner expired in '99. But but again, you know, it's not like you don't recognize him when you see him. Right. But yeah. you know, so I was tired of that symbol, though. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, and 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 to be honest with you, it it. It was just a part of the mystique of mm-hmm. Prince, and yeah. and you know, I mean, he was he's a genius as it is. So I mean, you know, there's certain artists you just can't hold back. That you know, they're going to be who they are. And I guess the misconception though is that I, as at least for me as a fan, I thought Prince had made that like a creative decision, like. I'm going to stop using the. But that was like the public name. explanation oh, okay. for it, right? Well, which, which is which is great because you know, every, it's just like anything with art, we all see it differently. <laughs> so it's just like, okay, yeah, this is what happened. Then the rumors start, and you know, yeah. So how did you? So and I didn't know if it was anything you wanted to ask, but I was going to get to the hidden beach. So yeah, how did that deal come about? Um, so after the you know the three albums with Warner Brothers and. You know, doing the executive thing at Motown and so on and so forth, and that kind of ended around '96. Um, I remember working with um, my—I call him a brother—David um, Mimran, Savage Records. That's how I started working with David Bowie, and I just wanted to go to another level and really just take this. Obviously, my core and my sweet spot, as it relates to my my. My, I call it friend base, and I don't like to use the word fan. So my friend base um, and those who are supporting me or now in social media, my followers, <laughs> or my, my Albies. <laughs> Big shout out to all of my Albies. I got nothing but love for you, baby. <laughs> um, um, you know, so what happens is it was, a, a, you know, quite a, a step away from my core audience as it relates to, you know, because that's all I've ever wanted to do. I wanted, as much as I was, I'm a straight hip-hop head from Mount Vernon, all I wanted to do was work with Diana Ross and Al Green and and Smokey Robinson. Like that was what I grew up with, and Stevie Wonder. And so and you the, and Al Green, y'all got up. What, yeah. Which record did y'all do? Um, as, as long, long as, as we're, we're together. together. And then ah, oh, I love you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was could this be the love? As long that was, as we're together. And no, and then what? And what I did was, and what I did was, I remade. Um, Spending my day, you know, mm-hmm. for the I'm still yeah, love I'm the still rim soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still in love with you now. Now, what's what's crazy is that. So I've read in so many different places um, that I was nominated for three Grammys. It's actually four, and I won a Grammy because that's a duet I did with Al Green. It just again, I just never said anything. It's a duet <laughs> with he and I, and it's not it's not uh, cataloged that way. So. I got a Grammy for producing the gospel record, which is as long as we're together, and I was nominated for the others. So, I, so it's actually four. Okay. Word up. Um, yeah, what was what was working with Diana Ross like? Like, were you guys in the same studio, or was oh, it, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I have an affinity to fabulous. I have an affinity to class, to mature women. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, you. 
<laughs> this right, yeah, right here. Yeah, yeah, right here. Yeah. No matter what you do. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about some other woman. Yeah, but you see, yeah. you know. Yeah, was, <laughs> um, and so, so, but I, but very specifically, um, Diana Ross was just everything to me. I mean, just growing up. So, the first opportunity that I had to. Um, Work with her. <laughs> I can't even look at you right now. I can't reach look. out and touch. <laughs> <laughs> no, just you know what it is when you grow up and 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 let's just say this: as much as I loved Michael Jackson, I loved Diana Ross. So it was just you know all jokes aside, it was just such an honor and a privilege, like just to. And then what was really cool was Diana Ross was so cool that. I remember, I'm telling you which studio, I think we were, maybe we were in Hit Factory or maybe we were, yeah. And I remember, excuse me, Miss Ross coming in the door and guess what she had on? The denim and the holes oh. in the jeans. And the <laughs> she was looking like, like the working overtime. Yeah. <laughs> no, she was looking like the working overtime. Oh, working overtime. Yeah. Yeah. No, she, no, she, no, she had the night and day outfit on. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, just, I mean, just an incredible, incredible talent. Um, and, um, just she represents so much as it relates to just music and people don't realize how important Diana Ross is like to the whole frame of you know like to be honest with you love me some Beyonce I was just about to say they say she love me some Rihanna but they love, wouldn't exist right but those artists you know they would exist but they just it, but there's a certain well you know what just like anything else we learn from our predecessors, you know, the art before us, you know, we're influenced. Um, and it's just like the closest thing to bad and class and fly, but still gutter is B. Right. Because B keeps it one 2018, you know, mm-hmm. but she's so incredibly classy and she's got the whole package and the whole thing and her and Jay's movement and navigation is just crazy. Just So you just like to see it. It's like the king and the queen, you know. Just you tell some... me Diana had a gutter side to her? Well, <laughs> Miss well, Ross. You've Ross. seen that, no, that but picture I'm, of walking with the rib. Right? I'm, no, I'm, I'm, no, but I'm, 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 I'm talking about, because what happens, I'm talking about just like just the homie, like she's cool, like just like you, like really? like. Well, what was the, <laughs> Was there a moment you had with Diana Ross where you were like, I'm really... This was she, we're talking about this. I'm doing this with her. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, let me rephrase this. Um, Reach out and touch. A conversation. Never mind. I... You know what? No, let me tell you. Something. No, first of all, just I mean, she's just one of the classiest, like just beautiful, classy, and just I love hearing her voice when she talks. She's just, she just got that. She's you know, you can't even call her an artist. She's more of an icon, and 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 just there's no title for her. You can't. She's the blueprint for all of the girls yeah. following, especially and Brandy women, and, and yeah, just all of them. I mean, I don't and and, and not, take nothing away from you know Aretha Franklin, God rest her soul. Take nothing away from the other iconic female artists, but Diana Ross just exuded. I'm going to make up my own word. Exudable, just she was just exudable. <laughs> just, just you know, just she just had that every. She had everything. She had the grace, the style, the class. You know. Um, her exudability was uh, off the charts. Stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, and it is what it is. So, so again, my dream and my goal was to work with the greats. 
Um, and a lot of times, you know, my peer group wouldn't understand that. My peer group was like, yo, why are you working with this this person? And I'm like, no, nah, you just don't get it. I said, this is, these are my dreams. I'm going to, I got to dream it to, you know, dream it to fruition. So who who brought, uh, proposed the, the collaboration with David Bowie on Black Tie White Noise? Um, actually, the president of Savage Records, Mr. David Mimran, um, very prominent businessman, uh, and my big brother, like a big brother to me. Uh, this That's the first time I learned that um, the private jets came in the size of 747s. <laughs> you know, I mean, just, just phenomenal, but the most kind and humble, you know, just knowledgeable, just, I mean, just amazing. And, and, and gave me such an opportunity because he saw, and then this is the, the gentleman who also was someone who was concerned about me because what he did was he looked at, he, he took the time to get all of my contracts and was looking through all of the stuff and said, no, this isn't, you know, he speaks French. He said, this is not right. This is not in the publishing. And then he went and tried to help me fix all of that stuff from the past so that I would have something in the future. So I attribute a lot of the, that, you know, me being able to maintain, you know, just my publishing and there's all this stuff too to uh to him and just and then he just gave me an opportunity because i guess he saw as well that i was positioning myself as a citizen of the world so he would give me um opportunities to work with richie sambora and with you know you know taylor dane just the artists that would just 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 yeah yeah. so we had a nice staple of, of artists um um that just you know it was amazing, and then spending that much time, and then I moved to Switzerland and lived in Stad, and you know, and just working with David, and and um, and people don't realize, um, you know, who produced that record, who produced Black Tie White Noise. Who? There's a gentleman who plays guitar in a song called Good Times. Oh, now Rogers, yeah, it was now Rogers. Now Rogers, that's a bad man. Yes, he is. That's a bad. We got to get him. We got to get him. He's so bad. That. He the only one. That we yeah, we yeah. haven't finished yeah, it. Yeah, we had him. We interviewed him like it's been a minute ago. We just started. We had we, we didn't finish it. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So so uh, you know now Rogers and uh, you know and this it was just great because spending it, it was more of an experience like we did the record together and I did it's funny because okay so we got to get the the remixes so Kyle and I did the R and B remixes to the record. In addition to, we had so much more fun because David and Iman taught me to ski. Oh, shit. Like stuff like that. We'd be out on the slopes in Switzerland and wow. just, you know. And it was funny because I'm every moment, I'm always thinking, if Mount Vernon could see me now. <laughs> <laughs> does, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah it makes, it makes sense. 100% sense. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere yeah. I'd go, I'd be somewhere on the planet and I would find myself with the king of so-and-so or in some foreign country, <laughs> like in, you know, just with severe wealth and seeing, and, and this is what made me understand because the way to, to achieve anything of that nature is to see it mm. and to be around it. And then I started to understand it. Man, every time there's a level, there's another level. There's LeBron James, and then there's the guy that pays LeBron James. Mm-hmm. 
you know, like, like meaning, like I'm so proud when I see LeBron James, like just that guy, mm-hmm. that brand, he's about his business, his family, like that's, that makes me so like happy to see that existing in this day and time with all this, the, the, the demise and separation and all of the chaos and turmoil going on in the world with, you know, with politics and things of that nature and tend to see this young man from very humble beginnings thriving at the highest level with no BS. Giving back. And, and, and giving, and, 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 and not just, he's walking the walk, he's yeah. running the walk, he's marathoning the walk. <laughs> yeah. You know, so kudos to uh, Mr. James and his family and just, it's a blessing that he's able to do this and, and he's, he's doing it at the highest level. So Al, are you one of these rare individuals that technically you have created with all of whom you consider great, great, like mostly? Like, who, is no one, is anyone left? Yeah, I, I, there's so many that I, I mean, I, I want to work with, you know, it's so funny because even with my new album, how I wanted, uh, and I told Mr. Quest, I said, uh, we need some of his his rhythm breaking was the president. I voted for Shirley Chisholm. <laughs> I need, you know, like we like it's, this is going to be the Albie Show, Kyle West, you know, Chaos. So oh, Chaos! You're going to bring him out. Pete Rock. What I'm doing? Yes. I'm doing an EP with maybe six, you know, six songs, the most six, seven, maybe eight songs. Maybe that's whole album, I guess. But <laughs> but I just want to do you know an EP and just make six movies. Meaning, you know, I want to do like a joint request. I want to do a joint with. Chaos. I want to do a joint with Pete Rock. I'm going to do a joint with Kyle West, Dave Hall. Um, you know, just uh, Easy Mo B. Like all the cats I've ever worked with, and and it's not about features and having every rapper. Mm-hmm. None of that. Just I want to do an organic record, but with with my journeymen who are who were from the beginning and iconic. And this is what I told them all. I said, Listen, what I need from you, don't try to make anything new. Yeah. I want you to go into your archives and find that one record that you said, yo, this is my Alvy Shaw shit. And and take that take that particular song and let's develop from there. Let's don't try to create anything new. Don't, I don't even want you to think about it. Just you there's a joint you got in your on your debt somewhere on a cassette. Have they been receptive to that? Oh absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So you know, I'm looking forward to that, and then slowly I'm collecting, you know, stuff. And I've been talking to Pete, and we. Just, so I told Pete, I just want to straight give me some horns, with, but but give me that groove so I can just, <laughs> just make that, you know, and uh, and yeah, and then and then the the, the exciting part, especially working with Kyle West again, because he is breaking it down, just, <laughs> man. Just you know, him and Devonte always breaking it down. Yeah, man, listen, for real. All right, y'all, you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Speaking of Devante, the first time I ever heard Devante was on Private Times in the Whole Nine with uh, Touch You. So how did, how did they, were they already signed to Uptown before, when that happened? Or? Yeah, so um, like I said, after the Any Heartbreak Tour experience right. and them going to Uptown and um, getting signed and, uh, you know, started doing some work in production. Um, now, mind you, people, you know, obviously this group here knows, but Devante came with a, a plethora of organic musicians and artists. You know, every, every the reason the labels were so producer intense for a time period is because what happened was this is where the A&R became obsolete because the producer, let's say it's Jermaine Dupree or let's say it's, uh, you know, Devontae Swing or Albie Shaw, you know, what happens, what happens is the producer who's creating the music, finding the artist, bringing the entire package, we become the A&R. So what happens is we're now, you know, so Devontae in the camp, Missy Elliott, yeah, Timbaland, Timbaland, yeah, Elgin. I mean, yeah. I mean, genuine, genuine, yeah. Um, yeah. Static, and uh, yeah. the uh, players, Static, yep. Smokey, you know, yeah, Black, and everything. So, so what happens is, you know, the A and R position became obsolete because, boom, you give Teddy Riley a label. Teddy's gonna have the artist. All the artists want to work with Teddy. He'll find the best of the group. He'll, you know, so it'll be, you know, and then, you know, obviously you dress them and you do the whole thing and you do, you, so it's, it, it became very significant that the artist became, and that's all when the whole artist executive came out, that's where Puff thr um, thrived so well because, you know, Puff was an artist himself, you know, period. And, but he just, his grind was like none other. I mean, as it relates to his navigation, he was going to figure it out. He was going to figure it out regardless. I don't care what else was going on. He was going to make it happen. So did, 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 who found Jodeci? Was it, was it Devon or Andre that found him? No, no. I Well, they, they came and auditioned for me. Okay. Because um, then I have to give you the credit for this. You changed the, the, like, the state of black music because as we've noted, you know, it was, it was you. And then you found Devante. And then Devontae had Tim and Missy. Well, they had, they had, they already had a group. They, there was the Haley Brothers, you know, yeah, yeah, the yeah, gospel yeah, yeah, group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They put the Jodeci together, they put them together right. in the Carolinas. I just happened to come about them because they came and auditioned, and then I made the call and said so I wanted them to go see Andre. Yeah. But so, it was, this is you did this. You know what? I just have such a, <laughs> I, you know, I have just, you know, maybe it's just me. I just have such a problem saying I discovered anything. Oh, I understand. Well, you I had to figure this out that. for the book, though. I understand. I still understand that. But yeah, I'm going like, to let Barry Michael Cooper say it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, if you trace it back, it's, it goes back to you. And like, 
everything that's happening now is is a direct response. Of, so, but also, but I have to say Teddy Riley too, because oh yes, yeah, right, so, yeah. so 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 it, it takes a village. I'll just say that. Yeah. So so this is like our own version of Twenty Three and Me. <laughs> <laughs> So can I just ask a 2018 question, though? Because I want to, I think I might have asked you this in private, but it was a moment for some of us who were watching Pose when we watched that episode. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and it was all about these guys auditioning for this Albie Shore sure video. video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want, and, and how, that, that yeah. quote, that, you got to get the quote. Well, oh, the Marvin Gaye? Yeah. The Marvin Gaye? The Marvin Gaye quote. Albie Shore is Marvin Gaye of our generation. Yes! You see? I didn't even put the oh, that's crazy. But this is what's and, and again, this is where I'm I'm far beyond honored to even hear something like that. But it's been happening so much to the point where I I'm humbled by the the association. Mm-hmm. But now that like I said, you know, I've been doing this whole mind, body, and spirit thing. I, I would love to interpolate his story on a big screen to be able to do that, and um, because I, I think I'm prepared enough to do that. And I'm I'm the biggest Marvin Gaye appreciator out there. I mean, he's one of the outside of Michael Jackson. Marvin Gaye is the you know. Yeah. But what did it feel like watching that episode and seeing it being celebrated in that way? Well, what's funny is Quincy sent it to me on my WhatsApp. He says, "Yo, pops, they talking about you again." So <laughs> so and and it's like four or five different. So it's, it's either it's funny because we'll have Tony um, send you also. So the, the clips like everywhere, there's always a reference, whether it's light skin and curly hair, you know, how the show looking nigga, that yeah. <laughs> or, or, it, or, or something related to, um, you know, it's like I'm watching ESPN and, uh, uh, they're referencing, they call in Steph Curry. Oh, that's the Albie show, the NBA or, or this whole Drake situation, which I'm the major, major Drake fan. Um, and they were, you know, I, I see it all over, What'd you know. You no, no, just talking about he's the Albie Shore oh. remix. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. But I don't, you know, I don't look at it like that. I look at it like, yo, that's a, that cat is incredible. And he keeps coming with the heat. Like, I just, you know, but but again, you know, just because of the generations and the whole light skin thing. And is it, but, I, you know, like, I'm a big, I'm a fan of the music. Like, I'm a fan of the work. I'm a fan of, you know, so... You know, I don't get caught up. I don't, you know, I don't get caught up in all the stuff I read and stuff like that. But I just think is, I am on, and I have to give you this too. I am on eighty something hip hop records. Tribe Called oh, Quest, okay. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Roots, <laughs> Tribe Called <laughs> Quest, uh, Rakim, uh, uh, who just, you had on your record. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, just uh, what a what a, an honor. That again, uh, like I said to you, the greats. I, I just wanted to be, I wanted to be around and and just work with. I got a, cu- a couple final questions for me. Uh, um, let's take it back to sexy verses real quick. The song "Die for You." She's not credited in the liner notes. Who was singing with you on that song? Tabitha Brace. Okay, okay. Thank you for answering that. Been trying to figure that out for twenty six years now. Tabitha Brace. Um, and she's also in the group Key West. Key West. Yes, yes, ah, yes. So actually, we we talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, oh, off mic. But um, yeah, was Key West like? Were they supposed to have an album? Yeah, they had an amazing, amazing project. In fact, it'd be interesting if you talk to Kyle because Kyle's another one who just—he's the—I call him the silent assassin. He, you know, he doesn't like all the fanfare. He he loves. He's like, I love doing what I do. And 
and he don't he doesn't want to be famous, he doesn't want to be any of that. He just, you know, he loves just creating and just loves being creative. So I mean, does he know how much people are willing to pay for the girls' album on CD? Man, <laughs> no, listen. Oh no, trust me, I saw a copy on eBay, it was like four hundred and thirty five dollars yeah, yeah. or something. Like I'm <laughs> I'm holding on to my tape tight. Like that shit is never gonna leave. Like it's crazy. Yeah. But um Okay, last question I have is it's a true or false question. Okay. Did you date Omarosa? Is that, or is that, <laughs> is that real? Are we about to do these questions? I'm ready. Is, is that real? <laughs> I, I know. I know. One of your sons was on the, the one of the shows, a reality show that she hosted. No, it was me. That was you. Oh, you did the single. Wait, was no. that the single? Wait, which one? Donald Trump's ultimate merger. Wait. On TV. It was one. a derivative of Ah? Got it. Okay. So what happened was. Uh, uh, he put together 12 moves and shakers from different entities, you know, commodities broker, lawyer, singer, NFL, baseball player, and he wanted to create this ultimate merger. And then they bring in Amorosa, and then it was almost like, uh, you know, looking for, you know, no, look, no, just looking for, you know, someone to, uh, you know, is there anyone that she actually, you know, really likes and that, that she would want to court and to date and so on and so forth? It was it was it was actually a fun show to do um, because I've said no to every reality show that you know they've called or just it's not my thing. But I thought it was a great it was a great format only from the standpoint that I was able to show the OG side of how to handle things because you know you had some cats who want to jump in the hot tub and get naked and all this and you know I'm the, I'm the OG oh, so cat who, OG who just laid her. just you know I just laid lay in the cut and just kind of you know I handle it differently everybody's you know hunting and you know that's like it. so so it's just nice to see just all the you know the different and in fact that was probably the highest way to show on, on the network that year and they tried to do it again and it failed miserably um, but it was just acting but well, no, no. I mean, because it went into <laughs> what what is called soft scripted um, in terms of just setting mm-hmm. up setting up the the scenarios, but but the the, the dialogue the is. dialogue was natural, like the exchange, the courtroom scenes, all the other stuff, uh, and uh, it, was, it was it was interesting. It was a very interesting uh, show to Are do. You answer Bill's question. Did I have a date, Amorosa? <laughs> no. Uh, we, we've actually been friends um, for a very, very long time. And that's why it was a little strange when we were, you know, when the show was brought to my attention to do it as though, you know, we were going to be together. Um, um, and, uh, yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. Um, What's and, it been like just like seeing her in the news all this like, lately with all um, this Trump shit? Like, should we let her back in? Yeah. Okay, hold on. Let me, let me tell you something. Let's let's have this conversation. Yeah. So, just recently, I've been contacted by a number of news outlets and and to talk about this thing because they know that I've I've did the show with her and you know I went to the end and so on and so forth and and I've known Mr. Trump since I was a kid, uh, many many years ago when he was you know just doing real estate in New York. None of this was going on. Did he know? let you rent or? Uh, <laughs> the word is that well you know what i'm telling you like i said i didn't know this side of any of it all all, yeah. all i knew was that um uh he was a he was a cool cat you know i need if i needed some advice on something like there was a time i think my oldest was acting out you know in school and i gave him a call and i asked him i said what is that the school you know and he suggested king's academy so i put my kid in king's academy 
So that type of stuff. So so it was just more of a, and I think I did my 21st birthday party on his yacht you know, <laughs> back then. Back so he is, so he's acting. I don't know. I'm just because you know. I don't know. You know, possibility. The the only thing that I can say about this entire situation is this: I don't get involved with the politics of 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 any of it. But what I will say is because you know I've been there's been several requests for me to speak on this, and my concern is my five year old grandson. Mm. Word. I don't have an opinion either way as it relates to. who I like or who I don't like, but I love my grandson. And what I don't want my grandson is to be, to live in fear. I don't want my grandson to see turmoil, distress, separation. I don't want to see those things. I don't want that to be the example, division, um, you know. So whatever is transpiring right now, I don't, I'm not happy with my grandson. And hopefully he's he's filtered and, and, and sheltered from seeing the divisiveness of all of it as as a as a whole, um, because it's got to be scary for someone not to know what their future is or what what's coming next. So that's my opinion about it. But my opinion is just is directed to my grandson and what he's seeing and feeling and and because he's a little prodigy, but he's also very intelligent. And I don't think that. I don't think necessarily that children are ignorant. Mm-mm. They're very smart. And I don't want, I never want him to feel like he doesn't know what's going on tomorrow or he's in fear of not knowing his future. I want him to feel very solid within his future and what's going on with him moving forward. And I trust that this will come to fruition when, when, uh, when it needs to come to fruition. Don't. Don't tell him about that Quincy Jones B-side. Like, That's bad news. That's real bad news. I, I love Steve. <laughs> anyway, uh, Al, I, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show. This has been an eye-opening experience and a dream of ours. Yeah, Ladies and gentlemen, so please much, give man. it up yes. for Al Be Sure. Yes. Yes. Our, dream, our dreams have come true. Yes. Wow. Uh, very, very, very God is the light skins. <laughs> very, very humble. Thank you. Second king of falsetto. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. You know what I would like to do, though? I mean, to end it off the right way, um, being that I'm now in shape, body, mind, and spirit, and in sync, I would love to play Marvin Gaye in the movie. What is that? No, tengo la menor idea, but I'm telling you, it's me. Who put this together? Me. Who do I trust? Me. Jesse L. Martin, waiting for a minute. Didn't you already? Jesse, it's been in development hell like forever. Well, I've seen the the previews to it, but that was like eight years ago. Yeah, I mean, you know, Motown, Ambia State, and that's what happens when you have like 12 estates. Yeah. Because there's another one, there's another script that focuses just on his time in Belgium. Right, just, with him living with the nuns. Yeah, just the Columbia stuff. So. I think that would be interesting, though. Just him singing to them nuns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which era you gonna do, Al? You know, it's interesting. It's a lot of layers to that story. It really is. Yeah. Um, and, and what's great is um, his sister, uh, Ziola, is a dear friend of mine who lives in Las Vegas as well. So I see her weekly. You know, when I anytime I, I come off the road on the weekend, I go listen to go to a little jazz spot out in Tivoli Village, and uh, she's always there. And it's nice, and nice. but she's—I just love it. I, and, and the reason I was saying that is because for some reason, in the last few years, I've seen 
very significant references to Benny said it also too. I think on the unsung, and then I, I think Andre and so said that I left um, a signature, a, a signature that had marked time very specifically, like what a Marvin Gaye would leave. And when I heard that, I was very touched because I, obviously I don't put myself on that level or that skill set at all. But my passion is in that skill set and that level. So that's something I think that I would do justice to in terms of being a true fan and appreciating someone who's actually that I mimicked and, and tried to copy because it was between Smokey and Marvin and, and all, you know, any of that falsetto was like, yeah. Have any, speaking of that, speaking of mimicking, have any of these young uh, falsetto brothers and others had any moments with you where they reach out to you in a way? I hear, let me tell you something that the greatest thing is just hearing, you know, you know, the references to the Bruno Mars and, 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 you know, just artists of that nature or just how that influence, like, Every, even if it wasn't just about the Al B. Shore um, campaign, um, when even when I was doing the Jodeci campaign, every record company wanted a Jodeci. So it said something. It said something in terms of we're in, we're in the right path. We're in the right you know. So we're we're being we're we didn't know we were trendsetting at the time, but now you look at it, it, it we're trailblazing at that at that moment. But it was just as this organic feeling of just. You know, let's 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 make something new. Let's make something different, or let's interpolate this from the history of what we've learned. Well, from your mouth to the God's ears, I hope that happens. Anyway, thank you, Al, for doing the show. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey. On behalf of Team Supreme, we have Fontigo, Laia, Unpaid Bill, Boss Bill, and uh, Sugar Steve, uh, CEO and founder of the the Sugar. Network. I'm everything to to that network. Yes, you are. You are everything. This is Questlove. This is Questlove Supreme. Only on Pandora. We'll see you on the next round, ladies and gentlemen. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.